Good morning. Rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Happy Wednesday, hump day here. It's 25th of October on 2023. You guys ready to get the show on the road? All right. Let's rock and roll. Glad to have you here. Don't forget, though, before we start, click that like button and subscribe to the channel if you enjoy the content that you're viewing here today. We're live every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. We'd love to have you come back and join us. Y'all come back now here. All right. Well, Escape from New York. More than 545,000 New Yorkers fled the city last year. Where are they moving to? They're coming to a town near you. I know. I know, I know, well, uh, there's some good news and some bad news about that. Actually, it's more bad news. California is also fleeing their own states. Where are they going? People are running around, chickens on our heads cut off. They're coming for our lower cost of living. They're bringing drugs with them. They're rapists, and some of them, I assume, are good people. From now on, (laughs) it's going to be... America first. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show today, we'd love to have to have you um, have your voice heard. Send us a text at 573-319-1586. Again, the text lines are always open at 573-319-1586. When you send us a text night or day, I will do my best to respond to you as much as I can. And if you are Wanting to have your identity concealed, you can just say, hey, Austin, don't tell anybody that you that um, I'm saying, hey, I'm sleeping with my brother-in-law or something like that. Again, you can text us anytime you like. One listener texted in right at 7 a.m. said, rise in freedom, AP, rise in freedom. <laughs> Feeling very free today. One listener texted in and said, hey, Austin, hope you're having a good week so far. May I ask what kind of camera do you have? Oh, I've got a few. Um I'm using a Canon, and then a Sony, like A6000 or something like that for my main camera. My challenge really on my main camera here is that lenses are so expensive and I can't afford like a really nice, big, decent lens that I could really like take advantage of the studio. So I just use a beautiful 50 millimeter lens because it's not as much the camera that you're using, although that can make a lot of difference really for this, but the lenses as much. So I've got a little 50 millimeter lens on there. So um, if you're, I'll try and get the actual models for you and send them out to you later. Uh, Another listener texted in, William Lambert says, hello, Austin. Well, hello to you. We're glad to have you here. You can be a texter too at 573-319-1586. Morning, all you sexy Liberty lovers. What's up, Brindle Bear? Nice to see you here. Grover Bentley joining us as well. As Quest Fanning, not Yoda, Bitch Mobile, Matt Unruh, David Lee going to be joining us here uh, with us as well. Andy Opperman. What's up, Andy? How you doing, brother? We got to hang out soon. All right. Uh, da, 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 da. So that's the big story today. We'll talk about the top of the hour. And then, of course, we've got Kirk Cameron today. It's finally going to happen. Sorry about yesterday. That was my bad. Oops. Yeah, those time zones, sometimes they get you, right? And I actually, I'm going to take the fall because I think I might have, I might have been the one who messed up the time zone yesterday. So don't be mad at Kirk Cameron. Show me that smile again. Don't waste another minute on your crying. Whether we're near the end, the best is ready to begin. We got the world spinning right in our hands, baby, rain or shine. All the time, we got each other sharing the... Okay, sorry, Austin. Uh, shut the hell up, they say. No, you don't want to hear that. God! 
No! Growing pains? God, please, no! 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 God, I love that no! show as a kid. We're going to no! be talking to Kirk Cameron today, though, about his Christian crusade against the drag queen story hours. Pride goeth before fall. It's his new book. Should be interesting. Um, and, you know, I don't agree with him about the gays necessarily, but uh, I agree with him on the drag queen story hours. So, eh, it'll be fa- fascin- a fascinating conversation we'll be having with Kirk Cameron this morning at 7.30 a.m. Central Time. That's about 25 minutes from now if you're listening to the audio version of the Wake Up Show later. For those of you who might just be tuning in and you're saying to yourself, ooh, this is a good show, I really like this, but I don't normally get up this early. Just an FYI, we do have a an audio version of the Wake Up America show. I'd like to invite you today to download the audio version. Just subscribe to it on either your iPhone if you've got podcasts on your iPhone Type in the Wake Up America Show with Austin Peterson on your iPhone podcast uh, app. Or if you're on an Android, then you can download the Podbean app, which is actually really good. It's a great way to download podcasts and listen to them. That's where I upload it natively, but we're also on Spotify as well. So download and subscribe to the audio version. So that way, if you're like, hey, I missed the show today. Oh, wait, no, you didn't. You can listen to it in the car and you don't have to worry about it. And, you know, you don't have to deal with buffering and video and all that kind of stuff. What do you think? Okay, great. We'll talk to Kirk Cameron at 7.30. At, um, uh, also, Ron Paul is trending this morning. Let's give it up for Ron Pizzle. Ron Paul, Ron Paul in a house. Uh, Ron Paul is trending this morning on Twitter for a statement that he made in a presidential debate. Looks like 2008, could be 2012. Um, I'll have to double check on that one. But in a, when he was talking about Israel and the United States' policy towards Israel, and I found it fascinating, and I'll share it with you this morning. We'll talk about that. Elijah Schaefer sent me a video um, from his own Twitter account last night. You guys know Elijah Schaefer? Well, he sent me a video talking about how Australia has now officially gone cashless, which is kind of uh, kind of creepy. Uh, We'll talk about that a little bit later in this hour. And then Judge Napolitano to join us this morning to talk about Jenna Ellis flips on Trump. Uh, Jenna Ellis is kind of like an online acquaintance of mine and is now apparently flipping on Donald Trump in the Georgia election case, coming out saying she's very sorry that she ever said that the election was stolen, she should have done her due diligence, and that she is willing to testify against Donald Trump in that Georgia case against him, which is... This case just keeps getting wilder and weirder and wetter. Uh, and we're going to talk about that with Judge Napolitano at 8 o'clock. Then I'd like to talk to the judge about, go. let's take it back and we'll go to big brain time. Talk about the Tripolitan Wars. You know, from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. We will fight our country's battles on the land and air and sea. Uh, you know, in some of my battles with libertarians in the last couple of weeks since the the conflict broke out between Israel and Hamas, uh, I've had to remind many of my fellow libertarians, which I should not have to do, about the history of the Barbary Wars, which I think really bears, uh, uh, it really has a lot of uh, parallels to the conflict that the United States and Israel has with the Arab world today. Uh, And we're going to talk to the judge this morning at eight o'clock a little bit about the history of Thomas Jefferson's conflict with the Islamic terrorists of his day. It was so funny, too. The timing of this was so strange because yesterday, uh, as I was having this conversation and trying to help my fellow libertarians who, God bless them, there's many of them. Some of them are, are, are good people. Uh, some are rapists and some I assume are good people, right? They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. 
and some I assume are good people. Uh, there are many of them v- so goddamn dumb when it comes to their history, uh, sp- specifically about Thomas Jefferson's uh, interactions with uh, the uh, the Muslim pirates. Stephen Decatur, does that ring a bell? Uh, does that ring a bell at all, right? The, the Barbary Wars is probably one of the least uh, and most misunderstood parts of American history, but I think it probably has the most to teach us about the conflicts today. So we're going to talk about that a little bit with the judge this morning at 8 a.m. And uh, I, I think that it's probably it, it's probably one of those things. It's funny, whenever a libertarian tells me that Thomas Jefferson was their favorite president because he was the most libertarian, I'm always like, are you sure about that? Are you sure about that? Are you sure about that? <laughs> that's always that's a baby libertarian who hasn't done their homework. But we'll talk about that with a judge who is a fully grown up, mature and wise Socrates of libertarianism at eight o'clock this morning at 830 a.m. We're going to speak to Sean Hickman, a.k.a. Roger Mayhem. He's kind of like me. He's he's ready to adult the liberty movement. No more baby libertarianism in charge. It's time for us to move on. And to have a more adult form of libertarianism. It's time for the movement to grow up. We can't just be little baby libertarians all of the time and just be listening to only one person when it comes to foreign policy. It's time to diversify our thought patterns, read the people who disagree with us, understand their arguments to help us to understand our arguments even better. Walk a mile in a neocon's shoes. Understand why they believe what they believe, how they got there, and what foreign policy really needs to change in order for us to have a more libertarian foreign policy. Uh, First, you have to understand your opponents before you can counteract them. What was the Sun Tzu quote? Know thy enemy and know thyself and you will not lose in a thousand battles. Maybe start by reading Sun Tzu. Uh, Also, highly recommended book for my libertarians who are knowledge deficient uh, on history and war. Uh, Miyamoto Musashi. Hi, arigato gozaimasu. Uh, Miyamoto Musashi's Book of Five Rings. Uh, if you're a big Joe Rogan fan, you might know Joe Rogan actually has a tattoo of Miyamoto Musashi. And as a martial artist myself, I frequently like to, to study some of the great martial artists from history. Miyamoto Musashi had a lot to teach to people, uh, libertarians, and the Book of Five Rings is a very easy read. It's a quick read, and it will help you to understand a little bit more about conflict and how to resolve conflict sometimes peacefully and sometimes with oi katana hi kumite arigato gozaimasu hi arigato gozaimasu tomo arigato gozaimashita hi arigato gozaimasu arigato gozaimasu hi hi all right uh let's talk about the news here how are we doing at rumble have i gone too far off the mat 234 people watching was so great says Clementine. Nice to, nice to see you. Nice to hear you. Glad to have you. Camelia says she learned about the Barbary Wars from AP a few years ago. Ooh, the Treaty of Tripoli is also a really interesting one. It says where I think it was John Adams, if, I, if my memory is correct, who did the sign the Treaty of Tripoli uh, with the muscle men and um, not muscle men, right? But muscle, M-U-S-S-E-L, you know, muscles. Uh, muscle men that said the United States, as in the United States, is no, in no way founded on the Christian religion. No, what? God! No, God, please, What did John no, Adams say? No, you satanic no, bastard. No. Yes, uh, that was what the Treaty of Tripoli was saying. So anyways, we'll talk about that with the judge this morning. 69, dude. <laughs> you guys, all right, I'm not reading your comments anymore. I'm not reading your comments anymore over on Rumble.com because people who are going to watch and listen to this later are going to be like, what the hell? Uh, what the hell? Let's talk about the news. Over 545,000 New Yorkers left the state in 2022. Where are they going? They're coming 
to Texas and Florida mostly, but also they're coming out farther. No! It's an empire state of decline beset by high taxes and quality of life lows. White life woes. 545,000 New Yorkers left for other states in 2022. It's a mass exodus. Top destinations included Florida. Don't you New York my Florida. The most popular choice followed by New Jersey. Yeah, you guys could go to New Jersey. Go to New Jersey. Connecticut, fine. Take it. (laughs) Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is a beautiful state, but and New Yorkers aren't going to ruin it. But hmm, there's a lot to love about Pennsylvania. I hate, you hate to see it. Uh, sorry about that. I would say you know go to go to America's armpit, New Jersey, right? Connecticut, right? Go up there and annoy all those bougie uh, white people in Connecticut. Fine, Pennsylvania. Come on, man. Leave our Quakers and our Amish farmers alone. The exodus was partly offset by more people moving to the Empire State in 2022 uh, than any year of the last decade, with 301,000 new residents making the transition. But despite that uptick, New York still suffered a net population loss of 244,000. Yeah, the people moving into New York City, they're not coming from the United States, though. So the departures apparently have yet to impact the New York City housing costs, medium rents, Median rents continue to hover near post-COVID-19 highs. According to a recent report from real estate company, Manhattan median rent stood at $4,350 a month. What? Jesus. Median rents in Brooklyn and Queens. That's where I lived when I lived uh, in New York. It was in Queens. Median rents, $3,700 at $3,528. No, also, God, please, can no, you imagine paying no, $3,700 no. in rent? Rent! Rent! You could still, in, you could be in where I'm at in Jefferson City. You could have a nice house with land, like five or six acres of land, right? And like a, a good sized house and still pay less than $3,700 a month and be owning something like be building assets um even with the mortgage rates as they are even with the the price of housing that skyrocketed and the lack of availability you could move from queens new york to jefferson city missouri and pay less than three thousand seven hundred dollars or three thousand five hundred dollars for a mortgage and have land and have land. and i can have guns and i can shoot them on my own property. In theory, I could shoot deer on my own property. I want to hunt my own property. I literally could. Oh, five and a half acres. A little, little tough to hunt. Anyways, so after, so uh, everybody knows New Yorkers love Florida. They go down there. 91,000 people made the swap. Then after that, they've been decamping to New Jersey, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania. California, which absorbed a net population decline of 342,000 in last year, attracted 31,000 New Yorkers last year. So 31,000 New Yorkers moving from New York to California. But Californias also dealing with their own ballooning cost of living are making their way to more affordable states. The uh, over 100,000 of these people, and I know you Texans out there are not going to be happy about this, over 100,000 people moved from California to Texas in 2020. Individuals who moved from California during 2020 by destination state, I'm looking at this right now. They moved obviously to like the the states that are a little closer to California. So they went to Arizona, sixty three thousand to Arizona, fifty four thousand to Nevada, 
32,000 to Oregon, 46,000 to Washington, um, Florida, 40,000, that 40,000 of them went to Florida, 105,000 Californians moved to Texas. Let me tell you something. You think that they're that they're going to change their voting habits? Uh-uh. I'll tell you. I, do you think people have learned their lessons? I don't think so. I frankly think that the border wall, if we're going to have one, should go up from uh, around the side of Texas there on the California, the eastern California border. And then that way we don't California my Texas, right? You can send us a text at 573-3. Send us a Texas at 573-319-1586. One listener texted in on my comment earlier from the Treaty of Tripoli saying, Morning, Austin. Uh, actually, the country was founded by some who were Christian and others who were deists. So it was God-based, not Christian-based. Well, that's a good point. I appreciate your text. Looks like you're talking about the NAP from yesterday. Sorry, I missed your text there yesterday. I would have uh, led the, read those. One listener texted in this morning, says that, um, good morning, I'm actually moving back home to Texas soon. Now, I know that a listener of the Wake Up America show is not going to be uh, is not going to be voting there wherever they are. They're not going to be voting their California voting California in Texas because anybody who watches the show is much smarter than that. Again, you can text the show as well at 573-319-1586. Quantum Kitty says, hated that Californication. It's why we left Texas. Really? Wow, that's interesting. Let's see how many of them moved to Missouri from California to Missouri. So Californians to Tennessee. Where the hell is Mo on? There it is. Okay. 9,928. No, it's too many. It's too many. Yeah, I don't like it. Uh, Far fewer to Kansas, Kill. Uh, 4,588 to Kansas. So Quantum Kitty, you are safe there in Kansas from the Californians. And fewer even to Nebraska, South Dakota, North Dakota. That's why you see a lot of people that are trying to escape the Californication of uh, Texas. Dream of Californication. Uh, they are they are going to some of these Midwest states, right? They're not necessarily going to Illinois or um, some of the states you might expect. They are coming out here to the Midwest. A lot of young people are moving out here to the Midwest or moving to places like South Dakota and um, and uh, Kansas and Missouri and Nebraska. A lot of young people, a lot of Gen Z, because it's just too expensive to live in these places. That's why the, many of these Californians are fleeing. They know that they're going to get a lot better deal out here uh, in Missouri and Kansas City. But, you know, I was just having this conversation with um, my family yesterday because we were talking about the population boom in Kansas City. And it was so funny because my sister, she's such a, a football fan. Uh, we were Justin and I were beat, r- racking our brains trying to figure out why Kansas City's population is doing so well, why the city has really started to become the Paris of the Plains. I know that that's a, a reserve of supposedly apparently for St. Louis, but St. Louis is a poop hole country and we don't acknowledge St. Louis at this point in time until you guys get your crime-ridden city together, right? And the Provel and the pizza, it's just St. Louis, you really got to like get your act together and dry rub on your ribs. Like, what is this, right? Do we, what are, are, we, are we heathens? Are we, are we Carthage? Like, if we're Carthage, then Kansas City is definitely Rome, and it's time for a little colonization. Um, Pax Romana. Pax Kansas City. Uh, P-A-X, the piece of Kansas City. Uh, yes, saucy ribs 
with molasses, please. Don't give me your dry rub ribs, St. Louis. Get out of my face with that. Go Royals. Anyways, so my brother and I are racking our brains trying to figure out why Kansas City is receiving such a population boom. And my sister is like, duh, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. And we're like, ah, yes. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. Duh, of course. Even Taylor Swift is hanging out there. Apparently, Rihanna bought a place on the Kansas City Plaza to uh, to live with her boyfriend. So, like, Kansas City is, like, becoming, like, a world-class city here in the United States. And frankly, I'm here for it. Obviously, it's my home city. I was born, you know, uh, in Independence, just outside Kansas City. And I was raised on a horse farm, you know, just, you know, 30 minutes south of Kansas City. And I was, you know, I grew up going to the Kansas City Plaza and going to Crown Center and going to the Casey Royal and, you know, seeing the horses and, you know, eating at uh, Casey Masterpiece and Gates Barbecue and Jack Stack and, you know, so I'm the Kansas City boy through and through, right? I'll never be anything but a Kansas City boy. As, as much as I lived in New York City and Washington, D.C., and as much as I sort of, and I, and I live in Jefferson City now, and I sort of bring that that flair to it, I'll always be the uh, son of Kansas City, Missouri, and bless him. And it's I love seeing the Kansas City Chiefs doing well. Give it up from the Chiefs. I'm not a big football guy, but I want to see Kansas City do well. I want to see Kansas City succeed. If that means that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win, great. I'm I'm happy to see it. Uh, frankly, New York is is a great city to live in if you're a very very wealthy person. But if you're middle class, it's it's hell. If you're if you're middle class in New York, like I, I ended up making a decent living back in New York when things were, I mean, obviously still expensive, but like uh, somewhat reasonable. I when I lived in New York City in Queens, it, I think I paid one thousand two hundred dollars, like fifty dollars a month for a one bedroom apartment with like vaulted ceilings. And it was like one of those, um, what do you call it? It's one of those, like, uh, uh it was a, an old uh, factory that they had converted into lofts. Oh, it was lofts. Yeah. Lofts factory. They converted. It was actually the Steinway piano factory. You can look it up. Kind of interesting. The Steinway piano factory converted into lofts. And I had these beautiful tall windows and I could see LaGuardia airport, you know, kind of in the distance there. So I was close to the airport, right. But not so close. The airplanes were coming in and it was a safe, neighborhood, Astoria, Queens, great food, great Italian food, great Greek food. But if I wanted to live in that apartment now, I guarantee it'd be double, right? It would be like $3,000 a month to live in that one bedroom loft near the airport in a safe, nice neighborhood in New York City. That's why they're coming to Missouri. That's why they're coming to Kansas City. This is why they're coming out here. And they're California in our Texas. Uh, yes, one listener texted and says, I like Mo. The Dems and reps always fighting each other. Less time to fight us. Amen, my brother. Not Yoda here. Uh, if you're not Yoda, who are you? He says, if we pray hard enough, California might just fall off into the ocean. That's sad. Also funny. But also, how dare you? Uh, one listener texted in and says, good thing not a lot of California and New York are moving to South Dakota. Amen. Let's give it up. South Dakota, beautiful state. I love me some South Dakota. Have you ever been to South Dakota? Love to hear your thoughts. You can text the show too, just like they did at 573-319-1586. Again, you can text the show and let us know what's on your mind at 573-319-1586. It's nice to see all 261 people this morning. Well, 250 people. That's great. I love it. Can I ask you a favor? 
Will you click the like button on the stream? And if it's your first time here today, do me a favor, click that subscription button. I'd be super grateful to have you come back and join us every Monday through Friday on the show. And also, I got a great deal for you. I just want to let you know that the Wake Up America show is brought to you in part by my friends at Lear Capital. And my friends at Lear Capital have got a great deal going on right now. If you've been considering investing in gold and silver, I want to endorse and recommend to you, my friends at Lear Capital, by visiting LearAustin.com. If you call them, they're going to give you a $500 account credit to get you started. You don't have to buy right away, but they'll lock in that $500 account credit. So when you do make your first purchase of gold, you will get that $500 account credit. But I spoke to them last week and they're not exactly sure how much longer they're going to run this promotion, but they do have lots of great deals happening all the time. But what I recommend you do, because this is a crazy deal, is you call them today and lock that in. Just get your account set up at 1-800-885-2175. This is my call to action. Call the number, 1-800-885-2175. Do the monkey dance or visit LearAustin.com. If you visit LearAustin.com, that website they've set up for us, then you can get a free gold and silver information packet and they'll tell you about all their stuff and you can you know avoid talking on the phone to people which i know is kind of frightening for some people i get it but if you want that 500 hundred dollar account credit you got to get over that fear of phone calls call them at 1-800-885-2175 again phone line 1-800-885-2175 all right what do you think okay so we got to go get Kirk Cameron. What do you think? Are you guys ready to go hear from Kirk Cameron, right? Let's hear from him. When we get back, we're going to talk to him about his Christian crusade against drag queen story hours on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. We're grateful and glad to have you here. Thanks for getting up so early here in the morning. Hope you're feeling good today. It's a beautiful day here in America, and we're broadcasting here from Jefferson City, Missouri, the heart of Missouri, the heart of the United States. Do us a favor, will you, and click that like button and subscribe to the channel. Help us to grow. We want to spread the message of economic freedom and personal liberty. So if you love those ideas, I think you'd love to come back and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. The Wake Up America show streams live. We'd be grateful to have you as a regular guest. All right. Well, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. Kurt Cameron. He's a, he's a well-known actor, author, and speaker. He's best known for his role as Mike Seaver on the popular 80s show Growing Pains. Watched that a lot growing up. Cameron has also written several books including Unstoppable, True Valor, and Pride Comes Before the Fall. His books cover topics such as faith, values, and personal growth. He's going to be talking about that, as well as so many other topics today. All right, let's welcome him here to the show. Good morning, Kirk. Hey, man. Great, great, to, great to be talking with you this morning. Good to, good to start the day off talking about freedom and the things that lead to it and uh, our, what, what a precious and rare thing it is in the world. So thanks for all that you do. Absolutely. We love that American flag behind you there, Kirk. We certainly love America and liberty here on this show. So thanks for uh, coming bright and early and joining us here. I guess um, if you wouldn't mind, Kirk, I guess just start off and tell us a little bit about sort of, I guess we could call it your crusade, right? You've been out there, uh, you've been getting a lot of attention in the media. Uh, some people say it's controversial. Some people have been trying to ban you from from uh, reading your books to kids at, at libraries. I mean, you've really been causing quite a stir. Why? What's so controversial about Kirk Cameron? 
Oh yeah, I mean, watch out for me because I'm 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 really dangerous. I'm I'm going to show up at your public library and talk to your kids about faith, hope, love, joy, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self control. Um, so you know, if, if you want to go with the with the um, you know the real mild and meek stuff like drag queens and uh, men grooming children, uh, you know, you, you, you're going to have to find that from somebody else because I'm the dangerous kind who actually wants to talk to our children about the faith and the morality that our founders told us would lead to blessing and protection for a thousand generations. And of course, they got all those ideas from those who came before them, like the pilgrims who got it from those who came before them, like Moses. And this is really, uh, I think, fertile ground right now, as I've gone to these public libraries across the country and been met with protests and um, nasty comments and, you know, all of this cancel stuff. I've also found that those who have been throwing rocks have been overwhelmed by God-fearing, America-loving, family-cherishing parents and grandparents who are coming out by the thousands in droves to support messages like this because they recognize that something as rare and precious as liberty and um, prosperity and the blessing of heaven is appearing to leave our country and be replaced with tyranny and bondage. And they don't want that to happen. So I, I feel the rumblings of revival. It's an exciting time to be alive. It's an exciting time to be out there uh, in the public square. So uh, I, I don't plan to quit anytime soon. Good for you, Kirk. I, I got to tell you, though, the, the whole drag queen story hour thing, I've lost friends over this, Kirk. I mean, I, I'll, I'll freely confess to you that, you know, despite I, I consider myself to be a libertarian Republican, uh, I don't have, uh, I'm not religious, uh, for example, right? I, I have probably very different social views than you do, but I believe very firmly that children should be protected from exploitation and abuse. And, you know, I, I think that you know, the rights of children absolutely have to be protected from people, you know, from forces of darkness. And I, I believe in the concept of good and evil. But here, well, here's what I don't understand, Kirk, and maybe you can help me understand it. Because I, I'll tell you, I mean, it was just last week that somebody told me they were never going to speak to me again because I was speaking out on this issue, right? Adults are adults, and that's one thing, and they should be free to do as they please, but kids are another matter. Why do you think that they want access to our kids so badly? What it, What is it about children that the left wants to, you know, have men dressed up in lingerie and read to them, you know, pornography, essentially, in public spaces? Why do they want to do this? Well, I, I think the reason that you, I'll do my best to answer uh, this really good question. I, I think the reason that it, it sounds outrageous to you for them to go after children is that I think you have a belief that there is some sort of protective wall between them and children, and that wall is probably parents. Like, if you want to talk to me as an adult, we can do that out there on the battlefield, but you don't go inside, uh, you know, my house into my children. But, but I think we have to question that belief because in other countries, the children are essentially property of the state. They are the future of the country. That, that's why uh, everyone wants to go after the children. They don't really care so much about you and me. In 40 years, we'll be old, ugly, and decrepit. What they want is the children. 
And they want to get them when they're young so that in 40 years when we're gone, their ideology is the only community and reality they've ever known. So if they can get you to bring them to the public library, if they can get you to drop your kids off for seven hours a day at a public school and they can indoctrinate them, they have won. That's the smart game. That's the long game. So it makes perfect sense. Um, and so then we'd have to question our presupposition. Um, why do we object to the government staking claim on our children? And, and in fact, you would say, well, I mean, what if I said to you, hey, man, if you want to be a libertarian, go ahead and do that. But when you raise your own children, don't don't start pushing that garbage on your kids. And you say, well, wait a minute, these are my kids. I'm actually trying to give them what I think is right and and good. Well, it really comes down to a matter of authority. Who gets to speak and tell the stories to those little kids? And if we come back to parents, uh, you know, uh, we, we got to go beyond just biology and tradition here. Uh, that, that's why I think all this stuff has to have a backstop. And our founders uh, came back and said, look, at the end of the day, I'm quoting Noah Webster. Um, th thank you for letting me speak, by the way. You know, if this was Sean Hannity, I, I, I'd be I'd be I'd be done in two and a half minutes. Uh, um, Noah Webster, who gave us Webster's Dictionary, he was a founding father and father of American education. He said, every civil government is based on some philosophy of life or religion. And the education of that nation will propagate the religion of that nation. Now, it could be secular humanism. It could be Islam. It could be Christianity. He said, in America, that foundational philosophy uh, or religion was Christianity. And it was sown into the hearts of Americans for hundreds of years through the home, through church. And he said, our liberties, our prosperity, and our growth was the result of a biblical way of life. And the future of our prosperity and success depends on continuing to teach our children the principles of Christianity. So, that's why guys like Benjamin Franklin, who were perhaps maybe the most uh, irreligious of the group, uh, understood that, gentlemen, we need to pray. We need to nourish this root of Christianity in our nation so that guys like me, guys like you, atheists, people of all persuasions can live here without getting your head cut off or being burned on a stake or crucified for having a different point of view on, on religion. But Christianity in the water and in the air is a good thing because it yeah. produces liberty. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't disagree with you there, Kirk. And, and uh, you know, as someone who is a student of history and, and who dearly loves the legacy of the Founding Fathers, I think I agree with a lot of what you have to say. Uh, and I don't place all three of the Abrahamic faiths on equal footing when I consider their political stances and how they feel towards people like myself, right? A non-believer, right? I know yeah. that I know that I'm I'm able to live and be free and to not practice religion in a country like this and to have my libertarian viewpoints and, and to have very radical views on things here in the United States that if I lived in Gaza, I would be uh, well, I would probably have been murdered already by now, but I definitely would be kidnapped and most likely be killed. What do you think that is? Why wow. is it? Why is it, Kirk, do you think that Islam is unable to is unable to accept the kinds of Western values that we have, this kind of tolerance. I mean, is it is it something that's ingrained in Islam that which is what I suspect, or do you have maybe a different insight on this one? 
that has led to this conflict that we see in the Middle East right now? I'd love to hear your thoughts and and unvarnished. And yes, we do like to let people speak yeah. here. So take it away. Hey, th- thank you so much. Well, it's, 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 it's a pleasure to talk to you. You're a refreshing voice. And um, I, 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 I sense that um, you have an intellect that, that dwarfs mine. And it's exciting for me to talk to people uh, from, from whom I can learn so much. Um, I'm not an expert on Islam. You know, I, I, I'm no imam. Uh, that'd be cool to have one of those uh, come on your program. But I, I, I do see that if you're going to be loyal and have fidelity toward the Islamic faith, you're going to major on the old covenant found in the Old Testament of the Bible. And uh, there is, you know, lots about the infidel. There's lots about no sin in the camp. There's lots about uh, lots of rules by which you demonstrate your righteousness before God. And uh, in New Testament Christianity, all of that changed with Jesus. Jesus essentially said, guys, we're not going to circle the wagons and, and just be focused on uh, in, internal purity um, th- in terms of the city of Jerusalem and, and us as a people. Uh, we, we want that. But if, if, if I can transform your heart fundamentally on the inside, we can take the walls down that separate us from the infidel and the Gentile, and we can go out and spread light into the entire world. So rather than trying to keep the darkness out, we're going to take down the wall and spread the light, flood it into the darkness, and uh, I'm actually going to be with you in your heart. And th- there's, there's, there's power in that uh, that is outside yourself, and it, it's kind of a fundamental change from old covenant theology to new covenant theology. Um, so that, that's where my mind goes with regard to not being able to comprehend or understand um, Western civilization and this concept of freedom. But I could also argue the other side and say that freedom really is a dangerous thing. And, and I think those from that ideology would say freedom is not good because freedom allows you to become an infidel, to uh, offend God and to do bad things to people. Just look at America. Look at all their porn. Look at all of their divorce. Look at all of their child abuse. Look at all of the nasty economic abuses that the um, free markets can do. Uh, Better to have all of that controlled very tightly. And, uh, you know, our founders were different about that. You're right. Freedom is dangerous, but I prefer it to the alternative. I feel like I could talk to you for hours, Kirk, and we'd have great conversations. But unfortunately, I, I promised you I'd keep you to 15 minutes, but I want to give you an opportunity. <laughs> That's right. And we promised we'd talk about my new children. I know, book. exactly, which is why I want to give you the opportunity to share with us about your book series from Brave. We've really enjoyed these. My wife and I, who are uh, family planning right now, we plan on getting them all for our kids and reading and sharing them with our children. We got a lot of parents who watch the show with kids, and I'm sure they'd love to hear about it. Can you tell us a little more? Yeah, man. Thank you. So uh, starting last Christmas, I was banned at over 50 woke libraries that previously held drag queen story hours because I wanted to read a book about love, joy and peace. And uh, that turned into a movement that culminated with uh, a see you at the library event where parents and communities are now holding their own story hours in over 300 churches in 46 different states, uh, reading books of virtue and character. So. This is Awaken the Balrogs at the American Library Association, which is uh, directed by a self-avowed Marxist who wants to use libraries and schools as sites of socialist organization. Uh, And and this has just put 
uh, fuel in my tank, wind in my sails. So now I've got a third book. It's called The Fox, The Fair, and The Invention Scare. It's all about loving your enemies. So with the world on fire right now in Ukraine and Russia, uh, in, in with with Palestine and Israel, you've got brothers fighting for thousands of years. Uh, and America, we've got the same thing. I want to teach kids a better strategy. And, and that is ultimately what, what Jesus said. Uh, you've heard it said, love your enemy, but uh, I'm sorry, love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. I say, love your enemy and do good to those who hate you. And you'll be like your father in heaven who sends the sun to shine on the good and the evil and the rain to water the crops of the righteous and the unrighteous. Therefore, perfect love and you'll be perfect like God in heaven is perfect love. So I think that's a message that we can get out to our kids. If people are interested, I hope they'll go to bravebooks.com, uh, sign up for the Book of the Month Club, and, and you can get my book for free, along with a new book every month delivered to your door with a pro-God, pro-America value. I think it's an investment in our future as a country, and certainly an investment in uh, the flourishing of your children. That was an excellent Lord of the Rings reference there earlier. You shall not ask the Balrog. You there. shall not pass. <laughs> hey, can I give you my favorite uh, um, Gandalf the Grey quote? Sure. All right. We've got time for this. Yeah. <clears throat> Other evils there are that shall come. For even Sauron himself is but an emissary or servant. Yet it is not our task to master all the tides of the world. But to do what is in us for the help of those years wherein we are set, uprooting the evil in the fields we know that those who live after may have clean earth to till. What evil they shall have is not ours to rule. Thank you very much. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. That's Kurt Cameron. You can get his books at Brave Books. Dot us one of my childhood heroes there first time having a conversation with him kirk we hope you'll come back and join us again thanks for all the good you do in the world we appreciate your time this morning well i, I appreciate you bro thanks so much god bless you yeah and you as well thank you and have a wonderful day that's kirk cameron ladies and gentlemen make sure you check out his books then again at bravebooks.us what do you think of that there you go hey not every day you get to meet one of your childhood heroes man i looked up to him so much i remember thinking he is so cool i want to be like kirk cameron one day and boy he's just had a big wild career so controversial and political and then you know our lives converged and now here you just got to watch it live for the very first time the first time i had a conversation with him and i have to say that there's probably a lot if we were to have some time to discuss there's probably a lot of things that kirk and i would disagree with but you know what none of that really matters why you know what really matters that we protect our children because protecting our children from predators and communists and leftists and socialists is way more important than petty squabbles about whether Thomas Jefferson was a deist or what are, you know, America is a Christian nation. That stuff, that can wait. It's more important for us to protect our kids. What do you think? I'd love to hear your thoughts. What do you think of that live interview? Send us a text, 573-319-1586. Again, you can text the show today at 573-319-1586. One listener texted in and said they'd love to hear his take on Christian nationalism. These people seem to want a theocracy, which is scary no matter what religion it is. It is people like Mike Flynn and so-called prophets that he is touring with. Yeah, like I said, I think there's probably a lot that he and I could disagree with, and we would probably have a larger, longer discussion. But I did, did you notice that little part in there where he says that uh, I'm a little, feel a little intimidated by your intelligence there? 
I mean, I don't know. Do I really give off that kind of? That's why people probably don't like me. They're like, Austin, you're a friggin' nerd. <laughs> uh, but what do you think of the show? If you're tuning into the Wake Up America show live right now, we'd love to earn your like. Click that like here on the show and subscribe to the channel so that you can come back and join us. It's such a small thing to do. If you click like and subscribe to the channel, it helps me to be able to do more things like that. Accomplish bucket list items like talk to one of my favorite actors as a kid growing up right there live in front of you about some of the most important issues that are happening in the world right now. <laughs> Listener Ilmerica says, get over yourself, Austin. Uh-huh. Yes, very true. Barney Style says, Kurt taught me the importance of working the triceps. Uh, I'm not sure what that's all about. Uh, uh, Sign of Joni says, if you're unsaved, you're lost. There, I said it. You got, well, you got to say it. There are only two types of people in the world, saved or unsaved. There you go. Uh, Not Yoda says, sweet, loved his character. There you go. Clap, clap, clap. God bless Kirk, says Floby Tenderson. Absolutely. Uh, Sign of Jonah, whatever your complaint about Christianity is, remember you're not special. You're not saying anything new. Are you sure about that? Are you sure about that? Uh, Are you sure about that? Anyways, all right. So if you like the Wake Up America show, one of the great ways, best ways to support the show is to get yourself some delicious Founding Flavors coffee. I've got really exciting news. We have got so many new exciting things coming when it comes to Founding Flavors. If you thought we were going to remain static and that it was just going to be, oh, we're going to make like four or five different coffee brands and nothing's ever going to change. No, there's lots of exciting things on the coffee front. But here's what I want to recommend you do. If you haven't tried a bag of Founding Flavors coffee yet, get one today and here's what i'm going to tell you get one bag today and if you don't like it i will buy it back from you so you can't lose if you like it keep it try it here's the thing if you find another coffee that you absolutely love like my friend kathy loy she messaged me the other day she's like i'm addicted to washington's revolutionary roast and so she signed up for the subscription package because she loves it so much. If you love the coffee, then you are going to be like, oh, Austin, thank God. I appreciate you like sharing with me like these most delicious beans. But if you're like, Austin, I don't really like it. I tried a cup and you know what? It's not for me. I'll buy it back from you. I'll take it and I'll drink the rest of it. No problem. Just don't spit in it. Okay. (laughs) All right. So try it today at ap4libertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, ap4libertyshop.com. Here's the thing. It's a win-win for you. If you love the coffee, you keep it and you get to drink it and you have delicious coffee. If you don't like it, and you send it back and I'll give you back your money. There you go. That's how confident I am that it's so good. That's why I'm buying a whole bunch of it to give away for gifts this fall. And that's what I recommend you do, especially if you've already tried the coffee and you know you love it. If you go to apforlibertyshop.com, there's a bundles page where you can subscribe like on a, for a regular subscription of our coffee either every two weeks, every month, every two months, every three months. And then you're like, oh, well, I have too much coffee. No, there's, first of all, you can never have too much coffee. Second of all, you can give it away as gifts. So visit ap4libertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, ap4libertyshop.com. Check it out and we will do- send you some delicious coffee. And I think you'll be very happy about it. Okay. Ron Paul's trending on Twitter. Let's hear what he has to say. Why does Israel need our help? We need to get out of their way. I mean, we interfere with them. We, de- we interfere with them when they deal with their borders, when they want to have peace treaties. We tell them what they can do because we buy their allegiance and they sacrifice their sovereignty to us. And then they decide they want to bomb something. 
That's their business, but they should, you know, suffer the consequences. When they bombed the uh, Iraqi missile site, a uh, nuclear site back in the 80s, I was Operation one of the few Opera. in Congress that said it's none of our business and Israel should take care of themselves. Israel has 200, 300 nuclear missiles and they can take care of themselves. Why should we commit? We don't even have a treaty with Israel. Why, why do we have this automatic commitment that we're going to send our kids and send our money endlessly uh, to, to Israel? So I think they're quite capable of taking, themselves, taking care of themselves. I think we do detriment. Just think of all the money we gave to Egypt over 30 or 40 years. Now, look, we were buying friendship. Now there's a civil war. They're less friendly to Israel. That whole thing is going to backfire once we go bankrupt and we remove our troops. So I think we should be very cautious in our willingness to go to war and send troops without a proper declaration by the U.S. Yeah, no, that's good stuff there. Ron makes a lot of good points. And we're going to talk to Judge Napolitano about that a little bit more here in about five or six minutes. But I want to kind of break this down. for. Before I do this, I want to show you this awesome Israeli operation. My wife, Stephanie, had never seen it or heard this before. I showed her to her the other day. She was like, this was awesome. So this was what Ron was talking about here. This is called Operation Opera. This was Israel bombing an Iraqi nuclear reactor to ensure that their enemies weren't going to be able to nuke them. So uh, and Ron was saying it's none of our uh, Ron Paul was saying back in the 80s, this is none of our business. We need to stay, you know, not get involved in this. And you know what? He's right. But this is this is epic. This is sick. This is like video game stuff. Right. But real life. This this is video from the cockpit of Israeli pilots bombing the Iraqi nuclear reactor. And you can hear them uh, having to dodge uh, anti-aircraft missiles that are coming at them. And I'll point it out to you. Okay, watch this. I'll turn it down a little bit. Anti-aircraft fire. It's a missile alarm. Watch, watch this. Okay. You see that? That was a missile. Just missed it. Dropping chaff. I'm breathing. You're going to see these two pops. There's another missile coming. Bro. Bro, give it up for the brave Israeli pirates. Pirates. <laughs> Pilots. Give it up for the brave Israeli pilots who were doing that. That's that shit was awesome. And they stopped Saddam Hussein from being able to gain nuclear weapons so that Israel wouldn't have to worry about getting nuked by Saddam Hussein. And Ron Paul is right that the United States should have stayed out of it. Stop treating Israel like a redheaded stepchild. Now, I really would like to go into a little bit more detail and nitpick some of the things he's saying here and there. But you know what? It's big brain time. It's time for us to go talk to Judge Napolitano about it. We're going to talk to him about the 
the Barbary Wars, Thomas Jefferson. It's going to get real big brain in here. Kirk Cameron be like, what is this? <laughs> I know, I'm just teasing Kirk. We like you. Um, but we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about flipping on Trump. The big news, the Georgia case. It's, anyways, I'm messing up. We'll be right back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Click like and subscribe. Good morning to the... Good morning. Rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson, and you're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. Have you been enjoying your morning so far? Yes, I know that you guys are all excited. You're ready for big brain time. You've been clamoring for the judge. Judge Andrew Napolitano is the host of the Judging Freedom podcast. He's been a big reason, I think, for the success of my own show. His show, Judging Freedom, obviously a runaway hit, but I know everybody looks forward to Wednesday's at 8 a.m. Central, when we go over his column at judgenap.com, we talk about the big news of the day, and then we all put on our thinking caps and we head into big brain time. These are the kinds of conversations about liberty, about history, about philosophy that you can't get almost anywhere else. Well, except for his own show, Judging Freedom, as well. Judge Andrew Napolitano joining us live right now for his regular appearance. Good morning, Judge. Uh, Austin, good morning. Thank you for the uh, generous uh, introduction. I, I love your show. I love working with you, and I'm extremely fond of your audience. Well, I'm glad to have you, Judge. They love you as well. Everybody's excited, and they've got their coffee, their bacon and eggs, and they're ready to roll. So, Judge, let's hit the big news here first. Jenna Ellis, who I would say is you know a casual acquaintance of mine, um, appeared in court this last week in Georgia. She's in tears. She announces that she regrets what she said about the election. I guess I kind of have a two-part question here. One, is what she said about the election not covered under free speech? And then two, is this a really big danger sign for Donald Trump if she testifies against him? Uh, Yes to both. I mean, what she said about the election... Uh, is, of course, covered by uh, free speech. Uh, Now, you and I are absolutists or near absolutists in the respect of uh, Congress shall make no law. No law means no law, and it doesn't mean just Congress. No government shall make any law abridging the freedom of speech. Um, That's the sort of catchphrase from her uh, guilty plea, which was uh, televised because it was in a state court. Uh, but she wasn't really pleading guilty to the misuse of free speech. It would be nearly impossible to plead guilty uh, to that. Uh, she was pleading guilty for being part of a conspiracy to persuade 16 uh, Republicans in Georgia to swear under oath that they, in fact, were elected as the electors by the popular voter in Georgia, when in fact, 16 Democrats have been chosen by the popular vote, and uh, which went to Joe Biden. So one of the instruments of that conspiracy was to persuade these 16 people that the election uh, was fraudulent and to talk them into signing these documents. That's the actual crime, the signing of the documents. It's both perjury and forgery, pretending to be somebody you're not, and it's lying under oath in documents that go uh, to the federal government. Okay. Um, how dangerous is this for Trump? Well, he suffered a double whammy uh, yesterday uh, when it was revealed not only that uh, Jenna Ellis pleaded guilty, uh, but that his chief of staff, uh, Mark Meadows, 
whom I've known for years since his days as a as a member of Congress, um, was given immunity by the feds. Now, he wasn't given the immunity yesterday. It was revealed yesterday. He testified uh, before the grand jury that indicted Donald Trump uh, in Washington. He was interviewed by the um, feds three times. And whatever he said to them was enough for them to give immunity. Now, the government rarely gives immunity. You, you are giving the government a tremendous uh, gift when, when they give you immunity. You'll get a kick out of this. The procedure by which the defendant or potential defendant persuades the government to give him immunity has a crazy name. It's called Queen for a Day. So what that means, yeah, I know, I know. It's insane. First time I heard it. They've, they've been calling it this for the 50 years that I've been practicing law. You sit in a room with prosecutors and FBI agents. You're the lawyer and your client is just talking. And the reason for the queen for a day is they can't use anything your client says in that meeting against your client if the negotiations break down. If the negotiations don't break down and the government likes what you say, then the government gives you uh, immunity. What the origin of that title, queen for a day, is, I don't know. But that's what the procedure is called. Mark Meadows did this three times. Each time he did it, there were more FBI agents and more prosecutors there. And the third time he did the queen for a day, Jack Smith himself was there. Now, Jack Smith can't give immunity. Only a federal judge can. But Jack Smith, the federal prosecutor, can go to a federal judge and say, we need an order of immunity for Mark Meadows. He is now our principal witness. Okay, so back to your original question. Jenna Ellis, not Trump's principal lawyer, but involved in many of the of the conversations at which the the plot to uh, have the 16 um, Republicans claim they were electors. She was present. She is also a nightmare for Rudy Giuliani because everywhere Rudy went in furtherance of this plot to persuade Republicans that, in fact, Trump had won Georgia, Jenna Ellis was with him. So she is a witness against the president uh, and uh, against Rudy Giuliani. Mark Meadows is a witness against both in the New York case, but I'm bet a nice dinner at your favorite restaurant that Georgia will give him uh, immunity as well, or he'll plead guilty to some lesser offense in Georgia so he can tell the jury in the Georgia case what he's going to tell the jury in the D.C. case, which is basically the same set of facts. Certainly very complicated, Judge, but it appears as if we might be heading towards what you identified on this show as a potential constitutional crisis. As I'm looking at the primary field uh, right now, the amount of money that the contenders to Donald Trump are raising is a, a pittance. Um, many of the, the large donors see the, the polling lead that Donald Trump has and they're pulling back on their funding of cam candidates like DeSantis or Nikki Haley, right? The, the never Trump neocons uh, are starting to back off on the, the thought that they'll be able to stop Donald Trump this time. You know, many people oppose Donald Trump for multitudes of reasons, but 
you know, if, if anything, it's, it's, it certainly is a, a bitter irony now to see neocons opposing Donald Trump for the, for the purpose, most likely, of Donald Trump doing some of the libertarian things that you and I agree with on foreign policy. Isn't that a Correct. kick in the head? Isn't that Correct. A, Correct. Isn't it a, isn't it a wild scenario it, for us to be faced with, Judge, as liberty lovers, to have bones to pick with Donald Trump, but then to see the neocons of whom you claimed last week it was more important that we oppose them than the paleocons who we disagree with on economics to have to sit there and look at that and say, well, Trump may actually have a good point. Maybe we do need Donald Trump because as you stated, the foreign policy question is at least in certainly with the Israel Hamas conflict certainly seems to be a lot more important than some of the trade or immigration issues that we still value. Don't it, it, I'm sorry. I'm judge. sorry to say. I'm sorry because you know you can't have everything you want, and nobody's perfect. Sorry to say that you're essentially correct. Uh, if we could just have Donald Trump, I want to say on foreign policy, because some of his foreign policy was reprehensible, like using a, the drone to kill an Iranian general and boasting about it. But uh, I, I just don't think we'd be fighting in Iran in in Ukraine, and I don't think we'd be giving. We'd have special forces on the ground in Gaza if he were president. I don't know. He hasn't really spoken out on the Israeli issue, but we know where he is on the Ukraine. We also know where he is on NATO. We also know where he is on wanting to pull back uh, American forces. I wish it were Thomas Massey or somebody know, that I'm with 99.999% of the time. Then I could sleep at night. <laughs> but these are this is where the rubber hits the road judge and and you know you said something to me uh, a few weeks ago that i think i'll probably take with me to the end of my days when you said you know that that me asking some of these hard questions and dealing with these real world problems you know trying to apply libertarian principles the best we can to them to the situation as it lies that people should be grateful for them and that they should say thank you of course they don't say thank you because I'm, uh, as a libertarian as I am and true north as I am, judge, I do consider things from my opponent's point of view. I try and understand people who I disagree with on foreign policy, like neocons and communists and liberal internationalists and you know people like Hillary Clinton, for example, and why they believe what they believe. In order for us to be able to advance our ideas, we certainly need to understand you know the people who are in charge right now. And Donald Trump's foreign policy you know, reprehensible as that drone strike may have been, it certainly seems to be the closest to what we believe. Um, but I, I also would like to talk to you a little bit. Whenever um, a new libertarian, you know, introduces himself and they, I'm like, who is your favorite president? And they're like, oh, well, Thomas Jefferson, because he was the most libertarian. You sort of, you, uh, you make that face, don't you, Judge? Yeah, yeah I do make that face. Why do you make that face, Judge? Because uh, he was much better in uh, Philadelphia in June of 76 when he was writing the Declaration of Independence uh, than he was in the White House. The world looks so different from the outside looking in than it does from the inside uh, looking out. You know, you and I texted or emailed last night about uh, the Louisiana Purchase and the Barbary uh, Pirates, and none of that stuff was constitutional. Absolutely not constitutional. And it kills me. I'm turning around, Boston. He's right here. He looks over everything that I say on air. Um, uh, he, uh, he did what he thought was right, whether it was constitutional or not, and began... <clears throat> began what I condemn today. 
which is the Congress funding wars, talking about Barbary now, without declaring war. In the case of Louisiana uh, Purchase, the Congress didn't approve that. Only the Senate did by way of a treaty. And then, of course, the Congress authorized uh, the money for it. But, hey, Tommy, where is that in the Constitution? I bring up the Barbary Wars because I think that there's a lot of uh, comparisons that help us to understand the conflict in the Middle East today. And we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, But looking at Thomas Jefferson's conduct, here's a difficult question, Judge. Here's a big brain time question for you. You When you say what what Thomas Jefferson did was unconstitutional, let's pair this with the uh, also the understanding that just because something is constitutional doesn't make it moral. Just because something is constitutional doesn't make it right. Thomas Jefferson did what he thought was right to protect American lives who had been enslaved by the Barbary pirates. And in those people who were rotting away in a, in a Muslim prison in in North Africa, judge, they don't, I mean, pardon my language. They didn't give a shit if Thomas Jefferson did what Thomas Jefferson did was, was unconstitutional. I wouldn't either. If I was the prisoner, right, I'm putting myself in, in their shoes. I would say, you know, send Stephen Decatur, send everything you can, please get, you know, get me out of here. I'd prefer the president do things constitutionally, but I don't care either way if I'm enslaved in a North African prison. What do you say to that? It's not the job of the federal government to protect individual uh, persons. He knows that, or he knows it. He's in heaven, presumably. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, he knew it at the time. Uh, but it, it began a long train of abuses. Now I'm quoting him in the declaration, uh, which is presidents doing what they believe uh, is right, even though it's unconstitutional. I'll, I'll, I'll add to your statement about just because it's constitutional doesn't mean it's moral, and just because it's unconstitutional doesn't mean it's wrong, to just because it's legal doesn't mean it's constitutional. It is legal for the government to spy on us because Congress has authorized it, but the authorization itself uh, is, uh, is unconstitutional. Um, you know, th- this is this going to kill me to say this. This is the beginning of the march of big government, of uh, presidents doing what they think is right and grasping uh, an opportunity and a moment in history. Napoleon needed the uh, 11 million in cash and the relief of 4 million in debt. I don't know how they got the 11 million to him, maybe in gold shipped over the uh, Atlantic. I don't know. Um, that's an interesting question. Um, but, um, you know, if, if presidents can do whatever they think is right at the moment, even if it's not authorized by the constitution, then the constitution is of no value whatsoever. And we will never, ever have limited government from Abraham Lincoln to Woodrow Wilson, to FDR, uh, to George W. Bush. Uh, to the present monstrosities about which I wrote. These are, there are examples of presidents doing things usually with cash, often with violence, because they believe it's right, the Constitution be damned. They didn't take an oath to do what was right. They took an oath to do what is constitutional. Preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution. It's interesting. And it's an interesting challenge here, too, when you consider that 
in this scenario, the people who are being taxed to pay for this military, um, you know, would not be able to enjoy the benefits of such if they were kidnapped in a foreign land. And I'd like to talk to you about that in just a moment. Very briefly, though, for the people who are tuning into the show this morning, good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson, and I'm speaking to the inimitable Judge Andrew Napolitano. He's the host of the Judging Freedom podcast, which you can download on any of your mobile devices. I'd love it if you'd click like and subscribe while you're here live. We're grateful and glad for Rumble.com for featuring us up on the front page to help us to get such a huge audience. And we're grateful to have you here. We'd love to have you come back every Monday through Friday. Judge Napolitano, who's joining us now, joins us every Wednesday here in the show at 8 a.m. And we talk about history, philosophy, big brain topics, the news, you name it. So I'm very thankful for his presence, his regular presence. I hope you'll come back and join us regularly when the judge is here. You should set an appointment on your calendar to come back for when the judge is on my show, if you like these conversations. So, Judge, therein lies the rub, right? The, from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli, the Western world has been in conflict with the Arab world, the Muslim world, for hundreds of years, perhaps centuries going back. The conflict between Israel and Hamas is an embittered struggle that it certainly goes farther back than 1948. It certainly goes farther back than just the United States recognizing, recognizing Israel. It's, it's older than Zionism, right? Older than dirt. It's older than the Moses himself, this conflict. And, you know, Ronald Reagan said, we don't understand the irrationality of Middle Eastern politics. Ron Paul was one of the only members of Congress in the 1980s who said that when, when Israel bombed the uh, Osirak nuclear reactor uh, under Saddam Hussein in the 1980s, Ron Paul was one of the only congressmen that said, it's none of our business. Stay out of it. We, the United States should not be going abroad and, and sending military dollars and, and American troops to fight to defend Israel. We don't even have the kind of a treaty with a, a formalized constitutional treaty with Israel to do this. My argument is very much like Ron Paul's. I, I think that one side is more moral than the other. I think the Israelis are, are the underdogs in this situation in an Arab world where 22 Arab nations want them dead and they stand alone with Western values like ours. So I don't place a moral equivalence at all between Israel and the Arab world. I support the civilized nation, the ones who are closer to libertarian values, although they're certainly more socialist than, than we are, Israel's in many ways. But Ron Paul is right. It's not our conflict to get involved. That doesn't mean that we can't have an opinion, though, on this one. And frequently, Judge, it seems as if, so, as if many people of our ideological ilk conflate having an opinion or picking a side morally is the same thing as saying, I believe that we should support them with troops and our military and our money. Have you noticed this conflation, this problem of this misunderstanding of our principles? Yes, yes, I have, and I, I share your view 100%. It's none of our uh, business. The Israelis don't need our money. We're not in the business of uh, protecting the Palestinians from the monsters uh, among them, and we should stay the hell out. Instead, of course, without congressional authorization, there's a, a battleship uh, group, and a battleship is the size of three football fields surrounded by uh, 10 smaller um, vessels and 2,000 Marines a couple miles off the Gaza coast. There's uh, special forces on the ground in Gaza. Colonel McGregor believes some uh, special forces have been killed already. The government won't reveal that, the Israeli government or the American government. And now, a la Lindsey Graham, there's a uh, 
aircraft carrier and battle group in the Persian Gulf, in the Persian Gulf, nowhere near where this conflict in Gaza is, as if to say to the Iranians, come and get us. Uh, of course, this is the same Lindsey Graham mentality, which uh, publicly said we should be bombing Tehran. And then when a reporter asks him about it, he wants the reporter thrown out of the room. So, you know, we're dealing with crazy people here who don't understand uh, the Constitution and who never met a war that they didn't want to fight as long as they personally don't have to fight. it. Judge, one last uh, uh uh, topic on the subject matter, and then I'd like you to preview your show and your weekly column before we let you go. Um, the there is a, a conflict now in the Republican Party with Ron DeSantis, who says that we should potentially revoke the visas of students who come here and are openly supporting uh, Palestine in light of these terror attacks in Israel on October seventh. In, in in formulating an immigration policy that you know is in line with libertarian principles on one side, right, but also is respectful of the duties and responsibilities that perhaps a senator or a president might have when I ran for office, I had to come up with a platform that I thought coincided with our beliefs and views on immigration, but was also legal in reference to what we have while advocating for changes in the law. And looking at this, I look back at Ellis Island as a perfect example, right? I, I think you said that the Napolitanos came through Ellis Island, the Petersons, they also came through Ellis Island, and they were subject to uh, a disease check and a security check. Now, when I fleshed out those policies, at the time, they were non-controversial because we weren't talking about, you know, terrorism and things like that, like we're discussing now. I, I brought the, that same platform again, uh, to the forefront and, sa and said, here is what I came up with, right? You don't have a right to come to the United States if you're going to commit acts of terrorism. I think there are some reasonable restrictions that can be placed on people if they come here and desire to do us harm. Is that so unreasonable, Judge, to suggest that people who might be coming to the United States for the sole explicit purpose of supporting open terror groups or, or uh, you know, supporting ideologies that are meant that are bent, hell bent on the destruction of our constitutional values or the libertarian vows we hold dear. Is it so unreasonable to suggest, well, you might not be like the safest person to have come to the United States, right? Like if you're trying to take flight lessons in Florida and you want to learn how to fly a plane and not land it, is it so unreasonable to suggest, well, you know, practice your free speech in whatever, you know, hell hole you came from? Well, I guess we disagree on this. I have a problem with interfering with freedom uh, before guilt has been proven. Uh, I condemn what uh, Co uh, Governor uh, DeSantis uh, wants to do. Congress shall make no law means no government shall make any law infringing upon the freedom of speech. That applies to all persons, not just to native-born or naturalized uh, citizens. So if some crazies at Harvard or Princeton want to say, go get them, Hamas, as, as repellent as that is, that is protected speech. I disagree with what they say, but will defend to the death uh, their right to say it. Uh, I also condemn the concept of uh, uh, predicting crime. Right now, one third of the FBI is in the business of predicting crime. Thank you, George W. Bush. On the day before 9-11, not a single FBI agent was in the business of predicting crime. Predicting crime 
results in horrific violations of um, civil liberties uh, done uh, in the name of safety. There will be no end to this. If the government can interrogate somebody at the border and say, we think you might cause us harm, they'll start claiming they have the right to interrogate us in front of our homes when they think. Okay, good point. What if they were an actual terrorist, though? I mean, is there is there any argument if they actually committed acts of terrorism and were a criminal in another country? Is is it unreasonable to prevent them from gaining entry? No, it is not unreasonable to do that where there is um, uh, evidence uh, of criminal uh, behavior. But this this is a, a slippery slope that the government will use right here in right where you are in middle America, where I am on the East Coast, which is far more authoritarian part of the country than uh, than uh, where you live. And uh, I would nip this stuff in the bud. Yeah, I think I agree with you on the Patriot Act things. But I think if someone has actually committed violent acts of terrorism in other countries and their stated openly open claim is to come to the United States to do the same, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to suggest that that person might fail the type of security test that our ancestors might go through. But let's let's talk about this another time, Judge, because I want to give you a chance to 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 promote your awesome show, which is getting hundreds of thousands, millions of views. Uh, it's become a, a runaway hit. Judging Freedom, your podcast, which can be downloaded on any mobile device, is a great place to learn about the conflict in the Middle East and Ukraine and Russia and other things as well. Would you share with us who you have coming up? Uh, I have my heavy hitters today. I have uh, Colonel uh, Tony Schaefer, whom you may remember uh, from Fox. He's ex-military uh, intelligence. I have Colonel uh, Douglas McGregor, uh, who in a Ron Paul administration would have been the Secretary uh, of Defense and was close to it in the second half of the Trump uh, administration. And I have uh, Scott Ritter. So I have my heaviest uh, hitters on today. Uh, on uh, United States involvement and war in the Middle East. They're all of the same mind as you and I are uh, on this. Uh, and uh, the coming doom for the Zelensky administration uh, in Ukraine. Everybody's forgotten about uh, Ukraine. Uh, Admiral LeKirby, uh, the other you know, two months ago, said we don't have 155 millimeter artillery shells. That's your basic workhorse artillery uh, shells. So we're sending um, cluster bombs to Ukraine instead. Well, they found a warehouse that had artillery shells and designated them for Ukraine. Nope. They changed their mind the last minute. They're on their way to Israel. So the Israeli war is the nail in the uh, coffin on uh, Western aid uh, to Ukraine. Why are, um, is American ammunition being used to kill Palestinian Palestinian civilians. President can't answer that. Your weekly column is at judgenap.com. This week's uh, release on Thursday is Biden, war, and the Constitution asking the question, can the president fight any war he wishes? Judge, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you go today? Well, I try to give a lesson in the Constitution in 980 uh, words. And the bottom line is, it'll bring us back to Jefferson and the, and the Barbary pirates. Uh, presidents cannot do something just because they think it is right. They can only do it if it's authorized by the Constitution. Because the Supreme Court has said, 
all federal power comes from the Constitution. And George Bush to the contrary, notwithstanding, because he claimed he had powers from some other source and he couldn't say what the other source was. There is no other source. Janet Napolitano, our regular Wednesday guest, host of Judging Freedom, read his weekly column at judgenap.com. And Judge, the website, the new website, absolutely beautiful. It's definitely one-stop shopping for all Liberty News. Thomas Jefferson. Tommy is going going back where he overlooks everything I say. You'll have to tweak his nose for the Barbary Wars there for us, Judge. Thank you for your time today. (laughs) Have a wonderful day, Judge. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Austin. All the best. Thank you very much. What do you think of Judge Andrew Napolitano? Send us a text at 573-319-1586. Well, I got another guest and they're bumping up against time. Roger Mayhem is here. He says it's time for the liberty movement to go adult. No more baby libertarians. We're like, Thomas Jefferson is my favorite president. He was most libertarian. Now, who was the most libertarian president in American history? Drop your comments below and we'll be right back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. We're glad and grateful to have you here. Click that like button, will you, and subscribe to the channel. We'd love to have you come back and join us here on the show. It's one of the most unique talk shows that you can find out there. Yes, I believe in liberty. Yes, I'm biased towards freedom. But you know what I try and do is build a talk show for you that's useful. You get the news of the day that you're actually interested in and that you actually want to hear it just so happens that your host is a libertarian we talk about gossip and we talk about relationships and we talk about things that you know the kind of things that you might want to hear on talk radio in the morning you know maybe and then all of a sudden you get hit in the face with judge andrew napolitano talking about history and the tripolitan wars and the barbary pirates and all that kind of stuff Well, you get guests here on the Wake Up America show that you don't get anywhere else. My next guest is someone who I met at Twitter.com. We're Twitter friends. He goes by the name Roger Mayhem. You may know him as uh, Sean Hickman. He's joining us live right now. He says people in markets should be free. He's a minarcho-capitalist. Hey, that's like me. Pro-gun rights and pro-wrestling and self-described deist. He's joining us live right now. Good morning, Sean. How are you doing, sir? I'm well. I'm well. Thanks for... uh... Thanks for having this chat. I think there's a lot I want to get off my chest this morning. Well, I'll tell you what, Roger, I'm just going to give you a question and I'm going to let you run with it here, brother. You say that you think you've, you've agreed with a lot of the tweets that I've had in the last couple of weeks about the problems in the Liberty movement. You say it's time to, it's time for the adults to be in charge. Uh, take it away. What do you mean? Yeah, look, it, it's pretty clear to me that uh, the Dallas Accords were a mistake. Um, if you don't believe that you should have a government, you shouldn't join a political party. I don't think that's a controversial statement. It's only controversial to the people that uh, want to hijack a political party. And for what? To do what? what? To do what exactly? To have a podcast? To have a Twitter presence? Uh, to, uh, to say provocative things? And to you know, schedule social events uh, to to sit around and have uh, you know philosophical debate club. When when you start seeing, uh, we're the only movement where the word pragmatism is looked down upon. We're the only movement where uh, you know the, uh, the only political party that that when you say, hey, we should prioritize winning elections, you have people say. 
Well, why would we do that? That's not what, what, why we exist. And in order for this stuff to get fixed, you're going to have to have people that are willing and able, uh, skilled to be able to take the reins and, and say, look, this is not about just uh, getting your fart joke podcast going off the ground uh, and, and sit around. Look, there's a couple of really wise people in the movement. And then people go around repeating their talking points as if they have original thoughts in their head. And then when those then when those wise people have a bad take, they take the bad take and make it even worse because they're stupid. And then and then and then people listen to that and they go, oh, well, my favorite podcaster said it. So it must be so. How else can we have a world in which the platform of the Libertarian Party clearly says that it denounces uh, tyrannical dictators. Uh, uh, it, it, it rejects the idea of terrorism. But then when Putin invades Ukraine, boom, Ukraine bad guy. Uh, it, when, when, when terrorists kill, murder, rape women and children in Israel, Israel's the bad guy. They, they have gone from the non-aggression principle to the non-retaliation principle and, and, and they've done it rapidly. And, and then when you call them out on it, they tell you, they gaslight you and say that you don't understand the non-aggression principle. And I've heard your take that we should get rid of the non-aggression principle. I think we need to reclaim it from people that are stupid. If, if you think there's a difference between aggression and retaliation, and these morons don't know the difference. And, and, the, and the biggest morons are the grifters. If you ever want to see the, the craziest takes, it's from the people that are monetized. It's the people that know that by saying the most outrageous shit, sorry, I, I shouldn't cuss okay. on your show. For, you can say that here. Oh, oh okay, cool. cool. I, I, I'm from the Twitter sphere where you get away with everything. So the, the issue that I see is that the people that, that have bought into this stuff, if you think about the people that have joined the liberty movement lately, they came in through a podcast hosted by comedians. And then they think that this is a political movement with these deep philosophers. And then when you ask them, like, hey, well, what, you know, let, let's talk about philosophy. They'll tell you that they'll join a caucus. They'll say, oh, hey, I'm in the Mises caucus. You ask them, like, well, what book have you read from Mises? They've never read anything. They've never read a thing. When Justin Amash stands up at the convention and starts talking, uh, reading quotes from Mises himself, everybody's looking at themselves like, what is he talking about? Because they haven't read it. And, and, and here's the other thing. We're actually this booing is, him. If I, can, if I can just just interject for a second, I'll let you continue. They actually, he, he was reading quotes from Ludwig von Mises when it came to immigration, and the libertarians were booing Justin Amash because they didn't know that they were Mises quotes. Yeah, I, I was in Reno, and I'll tell you, the entire thing was, uh, was interesting because on one hand, you had, uh, you, you had, you had a, a group of people that had run the party that were taking the party in the wrong direction. And, and, and then there was, there was this effort to, well, hey, we don't want it to go too far left because that is a disaster. You don't want the Libertarian Party to go too far left. But then instead of replacing it with a plan, instead of replacing it with people that were principled, what they did was say, and I'm not, and I don't want to crap on everybody. I, I voted for a lot of the people that, that, that are on that board. Um, but the truth of the matter is we need to prioritize if there's ever going to be a liberty movement that's successful, 
people that actually want to do the job, people that are capable of doing the job and, and, and not just getting somebody whispering in their ear, hey, tweet this, say that. Like, where is the work? Where is the actual work? You're losing ballot access. You're losing members to the party. You're losing donations to the party. And, and, and you want to know why? It's go read your own messaging. Putin has started a land war in Europe and the Libertarian Party doesn't think that's an infringement on liberty. Terrorists have attacked Israel and Libertarians don't believe that that's an attack on liberty. You have hostage situation. And instead of saying that free the hostages, they say quit carpet bombing Gaza. Well, I'll explain this. If you were carpet bombing a territory like Gaza, you would kill a lot more than 4,000 people. And we don't even know if those numbers, those numbers in war are exaggerated. 4,000 people are dead in a carpet bombing of a land that, that small. Hundreds of thousands of people would be dead. But these people will repeat this. They, they, they will then tweet, uh, you know, they, they will get their news reports from Hamas. And then they will say that uh, with certainty that hospitals that are blown up, it must be the IDF because the Jews are evil. And here's the, and, and I heard you earlier talking about it. It, it, it's it's hard because you don't want to just say that everyone is anti-Semitic. Uh, you don't want to say that they're a Jew hater. But at this at the same time, when you start looking at a conflict where Jews are being killed, kidnapped, raped, and defecated on, and the concern is uh, 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 about about the side that's doing the murdering of Jews. I, I just don't get it. it like it, it doesn't check out for it just me. It goes to and show so that they're not they're not really objective, right? They 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 shit on me for picking a side, right? I I side with Israel and their right to defend themselves and their right to uh, their right to uh, uh, kill and capture these Hamas terrorists and do what needs to be done for their national security. And I'm open about my bias, but what we have is these these people that you've rightly labeled comedians, right? These great philosophers who try and pretend like they don't pick a side, but they immediately jump all over any of the propagandists, propaganda that Hamas puts out as if it's the honest truth. They're liars. They're lying that they, do, that they don't have a bias or that they're, they're the question everything crowd, except when the, that thing confirms their bias, and then they must immediately share it and confirm it as long as it supports Putin or as long as it supports the terrorists. Have you noticed this? Yeah, it, it, it's incredible. It, it, so the people that say that uh, I'm not going to pick sides, you can't make me pick sides. They're ignoring the fact that one of those sides is a terrorist group. Like, like Yes, it's OK to take sides, especially when it's against terrorists. And, and then what like they'll ISIS highlight Al Qaeda. Yeah, what, what they'll highlight is they'll say and, and, uh, and this is where it gets interesting. They'll, they'll talk about the mistakes that the United States made after 9-11. They'll talk about, well, hey, this feels a lot like 9-11. Well, maybe uh, if, we, if we don't see a repeat of the mistakes where you lie to go and attack a country that wasn't involved in the attacks, then maybe you could maintain this credibility. As of right now, the, the, the prosecution of this war is very specific. Israel has declared war on a terrorist organization of Hamas, and they're prosecuting a war. They've, just, they've declared their goal very simply, which is we are going to kill the terrorists. 
which is what you do. And and by the way, then when they say, where will the Gazans go? You can't you can't kick them out of their homes. Last week it was an open air prison, but now that they've gotten their pardon, they everybody needs to stay. And 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 by the way, the Geneva Convention calls for you to evacuate a war zone. They're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. The other thing that people don't talk about is that you have 50 Muslim countries in the world. You have 22 Arab countries in the world. Not a single one of them has taken a single refugee. You want to understand the problem? The Arabs don't want the Palestinians that are in Gaza to be alive. Hamas did not invest in bomb shelters or food for their people. They spend all of their money on luxury sports cars and rockets. But this is the but this is the organization that libertarians want to go and simp for. I'm just over it. Yeah. Uh, Java Daily over on Rumble joining us. Uh, first time I've seen him. He says this is the first time I've heard libertarians and media have an objective conversation based in reality. Yes. And if you're just tuning in, you're wondering who this guy is. That handsome fellow over there is Roger Mayhem on Twitter. Uh, you may know him as Sean Hickman. He is a former fundraising committee chair for LP National, the Libertarian Party National, and a former ex-com member from the LP of Washington State. And the not-so-handsome guy over there on the left side, that's me. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. Do me a favor, will you? Click that like button and subscribe to the channel. If you're like our friend Java Daily and you're like, wow, Libertarians having an actual conversation based in reality, and you'd like to hear more of those, well, you can get us every Monday through Friday here on the Wake Up America show from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. So subscribe to the channel so you can hear more libertarian conversations based in reality. And that really is what this is about, isn't it? Not just that who's picking what side or war or what's this is genocide or, you know, these are this is a religious conflict or anything like that. It's that God, our guys, our, our people on our side are dumber than dog shit, and they are incapable of having the kind of conversation that meets the American people where they are. If we want liberty to win, we have to meet the American people where they are. And we have to have a normie approach to politics. Brief little anecdote, Sean, and then I'm going to let you go on a rant about that one. When I ran for uh, president as a libertarian in 2016, you know, I didn't win, but I think it was quite obvious that I was like the normie presidential candidate, meaning that I couldn't get through a, a libertarian presidential primary because I was too normal but I think probably that the American people, if they had seen me on their ballot, probably been like, oh, he's not an insane, doesn't do drugs all day long, and you know, seems like he's, he actually cares about our country. But what we usually get are libertarians who are either quoting some dead philosopher that has nothing to, you know, if they say, well, the problem with the wars is the Federal Reserve, right? Like, we're so completely divorced from reality, and maybe that's partially the drugs, which is fine for adults, just don't give them to children. Uh, but it, that is probably our biggest problem is that we don't live in a real world. We live in this utopian fantasy land we've created in our heads. Am I wrong? No, you're, you're totally right. I, I think back of the, uh, the debate with, uh, uh, I, I won't mention his name, but you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Uh, when they're talking about driver's licenses and he goes to, uh, you know, taxing, putting bread in your toaster, uh, and, and then when when Gary Johnson says, yeah, I think uh, people should know how to drive, he gets booed for that. Like, if you have a common sense answer to anything, you're just not radical enough. In fact, uh, they, they what they've done is they've set the bar in such a way that if you don't go full Rothbard or full Hans Hermann Hoppe, 
then 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 you're just you're, you're you're not libertarian enough. And I think that if it wasn't over their reading comprehension level, I would recommend that they read Robert Nozick. But I, I think that I would be a little too um, that would be too optimistic that they would even be able to turn those pages. But that would help them because I think what Robert Nozick does is lays out libertarian values in a way that not only rejects uh, where the country has been at uh, through, uh, you know, uh, reading Rawls, but also uh, rejects the idea that Rothbard was correct in this whole Ancapistan idea. I, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm a hardcore capitalist. I, I don't believe that capitalism is improved by bastardizing it with anarchy. Uh, and and I and I think that uh, some of these folks with their with their anarchist uh, philosophy, if you talk to them enough, you'll find out that they don't even really want anarchy. What they want is they want to have they want to have a a conversation where they can out radical you and they can say I am yes. being philosophically consistent because any any uh, support of a state whatsoever is an aggression on whatever. But when you really start breaking it down and you ask them, hey, who's going to have the nuke codes? If you ask if you ask them the practical questions about uh, it, you know, they'll say the monopoly of violence. That's the thing we need to uh, to end. And then when you turn it around and say, so you support democratization of violence. That's what you want. You want more more violence. You don't want an authority that would protect individual rights. I think we could go back to Locke and we could say, look, protect the life, the rights and the property of its citizens. And that's all you need. And and the and the problem with anarchists is they don't have a plan to protect life rights or property, and and they'll come up with these weird concepts like oh we'll have competing security agencies great well I want I want the one that's better funded because I have more money so I'm going to have better security and you might argue that that's the way it works today why don't we fix that the problem is is that they go from bad to just like let's burn it down. And like Sean, for example, I had a conversation with uh, Spike Cohen and, and I like Spike. I'm not ripping on him. But I asked him after the, you know, the conflict broke out on October 7th between Israel and Hamas. I said, uh, if you were the prime minister of Israel right now, you know, he's, you know, he, what would you do? And he goes, oh, I think that we would use our resources that we have in order to defend the lives of our citizens. And I'm like, the ant wrong, pal. You're an anarchist, bro. You're supposed to dissolve the government. You you have the opportunity to dissolve the government, and instead you grabbed hold of the tanks and the planes and the weapons as soon as you got a chance. Just like every other anarchist, you know, scratch an anarchist, and they're an anarchist today, and they're an authoritarian tomorrow. They love them some Pinochet, and oddly, they love them some Islamic theocratic fascists for whatever reason, right? But here's what, what my argument was on this one, and maybe you saw my tweet on this one, uh, uh, Sean, a.k.a. Roger Mayhem. But I think actually libertarians are woke on foreign policy. And what I mean by that is, is they see conflicts the same way that the uh, left in the United States sees conflicts, that all of our relationships are between oppressors and oppressed. Therefore, if the Israelis are stronger than the Palestinians, that means that they are the oppressors, right? Because that's how we see the world, right? And that is literally critical theory. That is, at its core, that is the basis for what we refer to as wokeism. I also uh, laugh because whenever you hear a libertarian, they're like, oh, we're going to brown, you want to brown 
uh, a bomb brown people in the Middle East. Well, not everybody in the Middle East is brown. You would know that if you knew jack shit other than listening to your libertarian comedy podcast. And then three, of course, they see e Israel as evil colonizers, which again, we're getting into Ilhan Omar territory. And then four is they have this magical moral time machine that they judge the past. They have the people of the past by today's standards, right? So, uh, so the difference between woke lolbertarians, as I call them, and the woke left is that the left tears down statues and gets their way sometimes. Libertarians or lolberts, as I call them, do nothing and they get nothing. Am I off base there? No, you're you're absolutely right. They they uh, they think they're winning if uh, if they get some engagement on their tweet. They think that they're that they're winning if uh, if if they get some uh, emojis on their podcast. Uh, you know, if they get some downloads, oh man, that's a winner. Uh, they, they're not really <laughs> They're not really interested in solving any problems. And I and I, well, they call I me love a grifter, Sean. And it's like I I lose followers every day because I tell people what they don't want to hear. I call out my own people and they're like, you're a grifter, you're a grifter. I'm like, bro, you're the one who showed up and told everybody what they wanted to hear and has 150,000 Twitter followers. Like you're accusing me of being a grifter, bro. I've been around for 15 fucking years. You've been here for 10 minutes, please. Anyways, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think you hit the, the nail on the head though with the woke thing, but it might be for a slightly different reason. I think they are falling into that trap of seeing the oppressor oppressed. But the reason why they identify with it is because oftentimes a lot of these guys are just dorks and they, they join the party. They don't have any friends. And then when they when they come in, they are the underdog. They, they're the underdog. So if they see any other underdog. They say, oh, well, got to root for the underdog because I'm the underdog. And that's what drives a lot of them into the party. Not a love for liberty. And I think that's the thing, the distinction that I'm starting to see is that there are people that love liberty and then there's people that hate the state. And then there's this other category of people that just want to grift and, and, and the people that want to support the grifters. And, and so we need to start bifurcating this stuff and figuring out who is serious about fighting for liberty and who just wants to sit there and say the most crazy thing about how bad they hate the state. Um, it, it, the, the truth is, is that the same people that say they hate the state, as you pointed out, once you start walking them down a series of questions, you start realizing that they that they have, uh, uh, you know, they have the same answers that anybody else would have when it comes to the big issues, because some of this stuff is complicated and you can't solve it by reading dead philosophers. No, it's true. You have to live in the real world. I'm speaking to Sean Hickman, a.k.a. Roger Mayhem over on Twitter. Make sure you give him a follow. Roger, uh, you've certainly got, given us a lot to think about today, uh, but is there anything else that you'd like to share in our final minutes here uh, before we let you go today? I mean, look, I, I just, I, I would encourage libertarians, like whether they're small L libertarians, big L libertarians, to put your critical thinking cap on just because somebody is popular in the liberty movement and makes a uh, makes a tweet. It doesn't mean that you have to follow it. You don't have to co-sign on it. I think now is the time more than ever for people to really think about how do they think about these issues? And are these people that are out there saying the provocative things, does that really represent how you feel? Because it's funny how in the real world, when rubber meets the road and I'm talking to libertarians, they don't agree with any of this crap that's online. But yet you mm -hmm. see the tweet and all of a sudden there's a ton of engagement. And then it represents to the rest of the world that the libertarians are crazy. 
If you're not a crazy libertarian, I think now is a good time to say so. Yes, I'm completely sane, and therefore I'm not a real libertarian. Um, Sean Hickman, a.k.a. Roger Mayhem on Twitter. Thanks for coming on, brother. This was a good conversation. I really appreciate you being so generous with your time and look forward to engaging with you even more on Twitter. Sounds good. You take care, Austin. Have a wonderful day. What do you think of Roger Mayhem on Twitter, a.k.a. Sean Hickman? Love to hear your thoughts. Send us a text at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. All right. Well, before we go, real quick, I did make an Augusto Pinochet. I like humor and irony. And I don't necessarily endorse throwing communists out of helicopters, but I will laugh at it because, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm a bad person. I don't know. Maybe I'm not a good person, like Jesse Lee Peterson was asking me. But I made this shirt yesterday. I also have it in a hoodie. It's got my awesome logo on it at APforLibertyShop.com. Pepe's Helicopter Tours, established 1973. Designed it myself. There's my sweet little AP logo. Now, you can see there, right there on the tag, how beautiful is that? Now, you may think, oh, well, Pepe's Helicopter Tours on the front. That's cool, but guess who makes an appearance on the back? Pepe himself! Get that shirt over at AP4LibertyShop.com. This was the actual, one of the slogans that Augusto Pinochet had in Chile. Una revolución en libertad. En libertad. Mm, this was sexy. And we have the Pinochet Pepe. As you, you cannot get this anywhere else because I designed them myself, right? Spent a couple hours last night. We've got this in a hoodie as well. Pepe's Helicopter Tours t-shirts. This is on the back. And you can see we've got them on the front as well. Multiple different colors, beautiful colors. Nice little aqua blue there, as well as white and heather and gray and black and yellow, whatever, you know, military green, whatever color you like. Didn't get that exclusive little AP logo in there as well. Designed by me. Remember, when you see the prices there, that is shipped to your front door. Get yourself one for yourself or any Liberty lover in your life with a sense of humor. Pepe's Helicopter Tour shirts, brand new and only at AP4LibertyShop.com. All right, well, I got to run. It's been a great show. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope I'll see you tomorrow. So make sure you click like and subscribe to the channel so we will see you tomorrow here on the Wake Up America Show at WakeUpAmericaShow.com.